morning. We're continuing on in our series called All I Want for Christmas. We've been going through this series throughout December and we've been looking at some of the different gifts that Jesus came to bring when he came here to this earth. Every single one of us, we have desires in our innermost being and Jesus came to fulfill these desires when he came 2,000 years ago. Now we've looked at the gifts of hope, we've looked at joy and we've looked at love and this morning we're going to be looking at the gift of peace. Now, when we think of peace, what we generally think of is the absence of war and the absence of violence. This is what we often mean when we say peace. And for many of us, we have known peace for a good portion of our lives. Many different scholars actually believe that at the point of the Berlin Wall falling in November 1989, that we have been living in a period of unparalleled peace within human, uh, within, uh, human history. Now, this period uh, of time, since 1989, this has actually been the entire time that I've been alive. And generally speaking, I've known the world as a fairly peaceful place, or at least I've known that in my own world. I've never had the threat of war on my own doorstep. There has been a, a Harvard University psychologist called Steven Pinker who wrote a book called The Better Angels of Our Nature, Why Violence Has Declined. And in this book, he details the reasons that he believes that humans are living in the most peaceful era in all of human history. In his book, he provides statistics due to why he believes this, and he demonstrates that the rise of institutions over the past 30 years, whatever the institution is, has greatly contributed to the establishment of peace that we have been experiencing. But Steven Pinker has not been without his critics. There have been many people who have disagreed with his, uh, with his notion that we've been living in the most peaceful period in all history. Other scholars have rebutted his claims of peace, simply stating that the reason that we have peace is because the threat of war could lead to complete annihilation of humanity. Many critics say that it would take just one maniacal leader to push a button and throw the world into the worst era of war that, the, uh, that humanity has ever seen. Now, the peace that we see is largely because world leaders know that the alternative would be catastrophic for everyone. And yet we can often think that we're in one of the, uh, in one of the periods throughout history with the least amount of peace. And this is largely because of what we can see on our TV screens. Just over the past few years, we've seen the Taliban taking over Afghanistan once again, threatening thousands of people. We've seen Russia invading Ukraine, a war continuing to this day. We've seen continuing unrest in the Middle East. We've seen tensions with China. And most recently, we see the situation in Israel and Gaza on our TV screens on a regular basis. And yet amidst all of this, we see throughout the Bible, this talk of peace. At Christmas time in particular, we talk about peace. I mean, it seems like one of the clearest gifts that Jesus did come to bring. In Luke's account of Jesus' birth in chapter two, there are all of these heavenly hosts that sing these words. Glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth, peace to those whom his favour rests. 
There is all of this talk about peace at Christmas time. And yet, even in a period of supposed peace, there is still war taking place around the world in different ways. Even in our own society, we deal with these issues of domestic violence and youth crime increasing and relational breakdown in, within families. Now, it doesn't really feel like everything is at peace within our world today. And throughout the Bible, it seems like one of the most clear gifts that Jesus came to bring is the gift of peace. In Isaiah 9, one of the most clear pictures of Jesus bringing peace comes through this passage. In Isaiah 9, we see these very well-known words uh, in verse 6. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and then Prince of Peace." This Messiah will be called Prince of Peace. This is who Jesus is described as throughout this passage here in Isaiah 9. In the Old Testament, the word that is used for peace is this word shalom. Many of you may have heard this before. And when we see this word peace come up, we can often think of it in regards to how we think about peace in our own world today, namely being the absence of war or violence. But the idea of shalom is far more holistic than that. The word shalom has far more to do with wholeness or completeness than just the absence of war and conflict. In the Old Testament, shalom can refer to the, uh, the absence of war and conflict, but it also uh, refers to something that is better in its place. Often shalom wasn't even used in regards to speaking about wars, but it could be used to think about other forms of wholeness. So for example, when a building had finished being made, it had found shalom. When Solomon brings shalom to the, uh, the unfinished uh, temple, that is the point that he completes the building. If your animal breaks something of your neighbours, you bring shalom by paying the amount of what's been broken. Or in relationships, to bring reconciliation between two people with a broken relationship is to bring shalom to that relationship. It speaks into the complexity of circumstances that we face in life, but, uh, but anything that has been incomplete and is now whole has found a sense of shalom. So when you take this idea of shalom and you think of it in regards to wars happening, it's far more than uh, just two sides stopping fighting with one another. Rather, it means more that they come and become one and help one another and contribute to one another's wellness. Now, the goal of the kings of Israel throughout the Old Testament was to bring this sort of shalom to the nation of Israel. The nation was supposed to experience wholeness. It was supposed to experience completeness under their rule and reign. But this almost never seemed to be the case. And so here, Isaiah promises that there will be someone, a royal someone, who will be the prince of wholeness and completeness. And this promise was that through this royal someone, there would be a shalom that would never end. And then when Jesus is born, it's at his birthplace that peace is then announced 
by the angels who were worshipping him. This time uh, from now, the New Testament uh, uses a different word for peace. The Greek word for peace is this word Irene, which has the same meaning as the Old Testament word of Shalom. And over and over again, we see this word Irene used to speak about the nature of who Jesus is and the nature of what Jesus came to bring in this world. In Romans 5 verse 1, it says, Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. We have completeness and wholeness through our Lord Jesus Christ. In Colossians 1, 19 to 20, it says, For God was pleased to have all of his fullness dwell in him, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. So it's clear that through the coming of Jesus, there was a form of peace that was offered to humanity. And every single one of these passages, it points to the fact that now we are able to have peace with God through Jesus' life, his death and his resurrection. But remember what peace actually means. Remember what the word shalom and Irene mean. Some people have used this to say that effectively we were at war with God because this word peace is used. Um, we've been at war with God through our sin and now we're not. Now, although there are elements of truth in what people mean when they say that, the idea of peace with God is far more than just understanding it as being, um, being us at war with God and now being okay. Rather, we've now been made complete and whole through our relationship with Jesus. That's what Jesus came to bring, completeness and wholeness. It's like there was something missing within us and incomplete previously. And now everything has been made right because of what Jesus has done. Every one of us was created in the image of God, but sin damaged what this image looked like. But then this relationship with Jesus restores us to our complete and whole selves. It's like the missing pieces of a puzzle have been all been put back together. There's a, uh, a common, slightly corny saying that some people can say, which is that God, uh, that we each have been given a God-shaped hole inside of us. Now, um, although it can sound a little bit corny, there's a lot of elements of truth in this. Because the fact that we have been given, uh, given wholeness and completeness through Jesus means that that is true. The Christmas time, it can be a very difficult time for uh, for many people, and it can be a difficult time for many people to experience this kind of completeness and wholeness in their life. When we understanding, um, when we understand the meaning of peace being wholeness and complete, uh, wholeness and completeness, for those lacking this, it can often just be really accentuated throughout the Christmas period. Many people will look for their sense of wholeness through family and friends uh, throughout this period of the year. And yet for many people, they're left feeling isolated and left feeling alone. There's a, uh, uh, an institute called Suicide Program, and they write, sadly, Christmas and suicide have a symbiotic relationship. 
Christmas can be a lonely time for those who, strugg- uh, who are struggling or feeling disconnected from others. While it is a myth that suicide rates always peak right on Christmas, the emotions and stresses that occur around the 25th of December may contribute to increased suicide numbers early in the year. Further on, they say, A close look at figures across Australia, as reported by the Australian Institute of Health and Welfare, shows fluctuation in suicide rates throughout the year. Suicide is complicated and never has one single cause. However, some studies have shown a trend for higher suicide rates in the months of December and January. One Australian study found that there was a significant increase in suicides on Christmas Eve and New Year's Day. The numbers from the, uh, from the Australian Institute of Health and Welfare study trend towards the start of the year, with the highest number of suicides for New South Wales in 2021 being January. Now, the reason for all of these different statistics is very, very complicated, and there is more to it than simply saying, knowing Jesus is going to make everything better. That's not what Jesus promises at all. However, there is an element where people can be left feeling unnecessarily hopeless and alone, lacking a sense of wholeness because they look for wholeness in the wrong place. Particularly at Christmas time, this is possible for people. People look for a sense of wholeness and completeness through family or friends. And if this ever comes up short, then they won't be able to, uh, to understand the peace that Jesus truly offers. Even through deep, authentic relationship with others, which has always been God's intention for, for people, even if you are able to experience that kind of, uh, that deep relationship with other people, it won't be the same as the absolute completeness and wholeness that Jesus is able to offer through relationship with him. But that is the peace that Jesus does offer. He offers complete uh, wholeness and completeness through him. And yet there's this one passage that makes all of this really difficult to understand. And it, can, uh, it can disturb our understanding of the peace that Jesus came to bring. Because in Matthew 10, we see this really strange passage that changes everything, where it says, Do not suppose that I have come to bring peace to the earth. I did not come to bring peace, but a sword. This is Jesus who is saying this. Jesus is the one in this passage who is saying, I did not come to bring peace, but the sword, the Prince of Peace, is saying these words. Now, this is a surprisingly difficult passage to understand when we look at the peace that God offers us. In this moment, it almost seems like Jesus downplays his, uh, his role as the Prince of Peace. In this passage, Jesus is preparing to send his 12 disciples to do ministry under his name and under his banner. And the whole chapter is this list of instructions that he's giving his disciples as they prepare to do his work in the region. A lot of these instructions were fairly difficult instructions for the disciples to hear. Most of them point to the fact that they were going to have vast amounts of opposition and objection when they went to people uh, with the message of, of the kingdom. And then Jesus gets to this phrase, 
Now, on the surface, it almost seems like Jesus is calling his disciples to take up arms and ignore everything else about peace. But that's not Jesus' intention here. When you understand that Jesus means wholeness when the word peace is used, you understand from the context of the passage that what he's saying is that I did not come to bring wholeness to all of your earthly relationships. Rather, I came to bring a wedge, what we can translate as sword, between you and some other people. The word sword here is implying this dividing device, this wedge that comes between two things. And in this context, what Jesus is saying is that through knowing the wholeness that he offers you on the inside, this doesn't necessarily mean that you will experience this same sort of wholeness in every single relationship that you experience, particularly in relationships with other people who don't know Jesus. You might have friends or family members who despise your relationship with Jesus. But Jesus never said that he was going to make all of that better. In fact, he said that your relationships are probably going to get harder through knowing him. But on the inside, although that might be the case for some of your relationships, on the inside, he still offers you peace, completeness, wholeness, irrelevant of what goes on around you. I love how Jesus in John's gospel says it. John 16, 33, it says, I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble, but take heart for I have overcome the world. Amidst relational turmoil for your faith, you are able to know wholeness in, uh, in your life. Around 200 AD, in the city of Carthage, there were two recent converts to Christianity who began their preparations for being baptised. These had clearly been fairly recent converts to Christianity through the fact that they weren't baptised. Baptism always happened very early on in someone's uh, conversion experience. So picture it like them going through the baptism course over a, uh, over a couple of weeks. And these two women were uh, Perpetua, which was a noble woman, and her slave Felicity. Perpetua and Felicity, they were placed under arrest for their newfound faith that they had in Jesus, and they were taken to prison. They were ordered to recant again and again for their faith in Jesus, or they would be put to death. One of the uh, most well-known parts of their story is the fact that they were confronted by their family members again and again, demanding that they would renounce their faith. And yet Perpetua and Felicity would not do it. On the day of their execution, they were exposed to various forms of violence, including wild animals, but ultimately they were killed by the sword. Perpetua in particular is known to have guided the executioner's hand to her own throat. Now, this is as clear as an example, as I can see, of what Jesus was speaking about here when he was talking to his disciples. Because there was peace, because there was wholeness and completeness within Perpetua and Felicity, because that's what they had experienced on the inside, 
They were able to and willing to forgo the peace that they might have had in uh, relationships with others, including their other family members. They were able to resist their, uh, their family members calling to them to recant their faith because of the peace that they had inside. It points to the incredible power of what the peace of God is able to accomplish in our own lives. Now, although there is permission uh, given for people to live with a wedge in their relationships with others, if it depends on their faith in Jesus, there is actually far more in Jesus' language about living as peacemakers towards those people around you. In Jesus' most famous teaching, in his most famous sermon, he says, Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. So it's in this moment that Jesus ties what we experience internally on becoming uh, complete and whole to what we should be experiencing externally through our relationships that we have with other people. There is this outworking of our faith that is required of us after we have experienced wholeness through relationship in Jesus. Now, just remember that the, uh, the, the meaning of peace is to take what is broken and then restore it to wholeness. And this should be true of everything in our lives. You might have heard that uh, a common phrase uh, said of someone, which is that everything they touch turns to gold. It's this phrase that implies that, uh, that everything that someone does ends up going really well or successful. This phrase, it's based on a, uh, on a Greek myth of King Midas. King Midas was given one wish by the god Dionysus to have anything that he wanted. And King Midas thought about his wish and his wish was that everything he touched would turn to gold. Initially, he was amazed with this new gift, but soon he realised it wasn't quite what he thought it was going to be. He turned his food to gold, his water to gold, and he even unintentionally turned his own daughter to gold. Everything he touched literally turned to gold. Now, this gift in this myth was eventually taken away from, uh, from Dionysus and everything was made all right in the end. Now, the reason I tell you this is because in one sense, this is what the life of, uh, of a Christian is supposed to look like. Everything that we touch should turn to gold. Every relationship that we, that we have should, as much as is possible, lead to wholeness. We should be seeking the world's and people's completeness and wholeness however we can. This means addressing people's spiritual needs, but just as much it means meeting people's physical needs. So to be a peacemaker is to bring shalom and Irene wherever we go. It's our job to see wholeness come into people's lives as we seek to fulfill people's needs around us every day. So receiving peace on the inside is something that needs to then be given on the outside. It's a gift that we are given to then keep on giving to others ourselves. But this is only possible when you have experienced this yourself. It's when you've known peace on the inside that you can then be a peacemaker with others on the outside. Now, the beautiful thing is that all of us, 
No matter what our Christmas may look like this year, whether we have family and friends all around us or whether we are left feeling all alone, we are all able to know the peace that Jesus offers. It's a promise of God that we are given, that we are given this wholeness that we can experience even through the hardest points in life. In John 14, 27, Jesus says this, Peace I leave with you, my peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. Jesus offers you peace through all of life's circumstances. This is one of the gifts that he offered us when he came here to this world. We can now know the wholeness and completeness that is only available through Jesus. It's through Jesus that all of the pieces of our puzzle are put back together. Now, some of you might need to take an opportunity this Christmas to be a maker of peace. You might feel the need to share the wholeness that you have experienced yourself with someone else. Even right now, it might be as simple as inviting over someone to, uh, to your Christmas meal who has no one else to go to. And it's our job to see everything that we touch, every relationship, every person that we can impact. It's our, uh, it's our job to see all everything uh, turn to wholeness. But many of you, you may be in a bit of a different camp this Christmas where you may feel a lack of completeness because your family isn't around you right now. You might be feeling isolated and alone and you might be feeling like something is missing this Christmas season. But Jesus, he offers you complete and utter wholeness. That is his gift for you this Christmas through relationship with him. Even if every other family member you have, even if they reject you, you are still able to experience the fullness and completeness that Jesus offers you this Christmas. Let me pray. Thank you, Lord, for the peace that you offer us. Thank you for the completeness and the wholeness that we can understand because of what you have done. We thank you, Jesus, for coming to this earth and for being the Prince of Peace. And Lord, for anyone right now who is maybe not feeling this sense of completeness or wholeness in their own life, because maybe they feel alone or isolated or empty, Lord, I just ask that by your spirit, you would help them understand the completeness that they can have in you. And Lord, for those of us who understand this maybe a little bit deeper in our own lives, help us to be peacemakers wherever we go. We want to be people who are where everything we touch it turns to gold, where we see more and more people understand the wholeness that Jesus is able to offer. So for all of us this Christmas season, Lord, we ask that you will use us and you will help us to bring this peace into our world. In Jesus' name, amen.